Unspoken Issues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Unspoken Issues. Chris Armstrong and myself, Jesse Starcher, are back at it again, talking about some 90s comics. And it's been a while since Chris and I have had the opportunity to sit down and discuss another poll winner. And we're not going to do that today because we have a tie. <laughs> Nobody won. For the so first I guess- time. <laughs> This was a poll that you put out there, Chris Armstrong, and I want to give you the floor to kind of give everybody an idea as to why you put this one out there and what the options were and yada yada. Yeah, I uh, kind of wanted to do like a animation adaptation type thing. I considered doing Rocco's Modern Life against Ren and Stimpy because those mm-hmm. were both like Nicktoons, and, but they were both Marvel, so I kind of wanted to throw in something else because it seems like we do a lot of a lot more Marvel than anything else. Yeah, I, I try. I like to try and have some variety, at least a variety in the options, you know, so people can still, you know, if people vote for the Marvel one, that, so be it. But uh, So yeah, I, I picked Rocco's Modern Life against Duckman, which I believe Topps Comics put out this issue. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. And I, I uh, was a big Rockwell's Modern Life fan. Still am. I still watch it occasionally. I've got the DVD set. It's a show that got away with a lot of stuff, a lot of jokes for adults in the kids' cartoons. As an example, the fast food joint of choice for the for the characters was Chokey's Chicken. Oh, nice. And eventually they changed. Uh, eventually somebody caught on and they changed that to something else. I forget what the new name of it was. Somebody caught um, on. <laughs> there was an episode where Rocco got a job as a sex phone operator. Oh, uh, boy. So, yeah, a lot of like kind of risque stuff in there, but it, but still pretty tame compared to something like Ren and Stimpy, which I just thought was gross. I never really liked, you know, Ren and Stimpy as a kid. But Duckman, I remember watching a couple episodes when it first came out because I was excited about it. And Jason Alexander did the voice of Duckman, who is great on Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. And I never really liked Duckman. I watched it a few times, didn't really get into it. So I was shocked that Duckman was not only keeping up with Rocco with the pole, but eventually got the tie. So Both of these cartoons, these animated shows... Were you have that you have that gap for comics for you where your parents were like okay or you you, you were like out of comics for a while right okay I have a, a gap that I've mentioned I think on the show before where we moved in '93 and I was uh, just basically relegated to bunny ears on the back of my TV so sure. I had no way of getting cable at least until '96 '97 when I went to college so there's like a four year gap for me where some of these shows. I just didn't have access to Rocco's modern life. I think was one of them. The first episode aired in 93 and then ended in the series ended in 96. So that's mm-hmm. right in that gap. I knew it existed. I've never went back and watched any episodes. And if I remember correctly, this is a Nickelodeon joint, right? Rocco's modern life. Right. Okay. So didn't watch that. And same thing with Duckman. Duckman was, uh, I think they, what did I have it here? Uh, this was on between 94 and 97. So again, not something that I had the opportunity to uh, sit down and watch. So Rock is my life. the whole series on YouTube now. <laughs> that's, that's what I saw, man. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's helpful. So I, yeah, I had to do a little bit of digging. I had to, I had to learn me some, uh, as we say around here, I had to learn some stuff about Rocco's modern life and duck man. So 
So a lot of the stuff that I found, the important things you kind of already mentioned. Uh, so if it's okay with you, I'll start with the Rocco's Modern Life comic. And I noticed that you picked two final issues for each one. Yeah, Did you mean to that do that? That was not intentional. No, okay. I, I noticed that too. <laughs> I picked the Rocco issue because, uh, as it says on the cover, he's at a comic convention. Oh, it's uh, beautiful. Rocco works at a comic shop on the show. Okay. Uh, on the few episodes they show him at work. That's where he works. Um, so, yeah, he's he's in charge of a, of a booth at a Comic-Con. Uh, and the Duckman issue... Based on the, I'd never read it. So based on the cover, I thought it might be an X Files parody. Mm-hmm. It was not. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I picked that one, and, and those both ended up being the final issues. I'd say that. I mean, we get to Duckman. I think that there's some similarities for it. I granted, it's not a parody, but there's uh, definitely. Actually, yeah, you're right because of the alien stuff. You're right. I mean, you got some alien stuff in there. I mean, the, I mean the the title of the issue is the Triple X Files. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that. I didn't know what I was getting into when I got onto these. I knew that it was most likely going to be uh, definitely geared towards humor because both of these are animated characters, I'm sure. Although I don't, I didn't have any idea what in the world Duckman was. Had no <laughs> clue. It's an anthropomorphic duck. The first thing that I come to the, that comes to my mind is Howard the Duck. Sure. Uh, but obviously that's not what we get here. Then Rocco's Modern Life, I knew was on Nickelodeon. I did know that much. I just didn't know any of the, anything about the characters themselves. So I figured it was going to be kind of tame. Uh, before we di- <clears throat> dig into the actual issues, one thing I wanted to point out that I also did not realize ahead of time. Because I didn't know much about Duckman at all, uh, except that it was a show that I didn't care much for when I was a kid. Both of these movie or both of these shows also started out as a comic book, were transferred or were adapted into cartoons. Yeah, dude. And then these are comic book adaptations of those. So Rocco, his comic was never like saw print, but Joe Murray, the creator of Rocco. He did like some indie comics for. Uh, I'm trying to look it up. I'm looking at it on Netflix or on uh, Wikipedia here. Let me see. Yeah. Because originally the character appeared in an unpublished comic book titled Travis. Murray tried selling the comic book in the late '80s, uh, but did not find success, and so eventually he repurposed it into Rocco's Modern Life as a okay. uh, as a cartoon. And Duckman uh, was also initially, yeah, a dark horse. I think it was just a one shot. And then that mm-hmm. got ad- adapted into the, the series for USA Network. And the only other things I'd kind of throw out there for Rocco's Modern Life, just to kind of give it, if you're brand new to Rocco's Modern Life, let me give you an idea who the characters are. We have the anthropomorphic Australian immigrant wallaby named Rocco. That's our main character. Uh, an eccentric steer heifer wolf. Uh, so that's Mo- Rocco's, I guess, best friend. Uh, the neurotic turtle Filbert. And then Rocco's faithful dog, Spunky, who doesn't show up too much in here. Uh, but, uh, well, he's, he's there. He's just, there's not a whole lot for him to do in the issue that we're reading. The other thing that I kind of throw out there is that there were some, you mentioned Joe Murray. One of the big things to come out of Rocco's Modern Life, uh, at least that's been in my life since 2005 or so, is Tom Kenny and SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) My goodness, my daughter was born. I remember buying the SpongeBob DVD set for just because she likes SpongeBob. And then all of a sudden I became a huge fan of SpongeBob. (laughs) I I was a big SpongeBob SquarePants fan. Yeah, and it sounds like there was a lot of the same team that worked on Rocco's Modern Life that went over to SpongeBob SquarePants. If I remember correctly, uh, yeah, they I said that. Go ahead. I, was say, I don't think Joe Murray did, but I think a lot of the other uh, creators went over and started working on SpongeBob. I tried watching SpongeBob because I remember when it came out. By the time it premiered, I was like 19 years old. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I would hear people my age say, "Mel, it's really funny. You should check it out." I just never really did until mm-hmm. more a little more recently, and I I just couldn't get into it. Can't so. get into it. <laughs> and I, I like cartoons. It. I watch a lot of cartoons. Hey, I understand that. There's such a. They, I think we got Kira like the third season DVD set for, her, uh-huh. and she was a young kid. She was probably like three years old. But we would, you know, she would go to bed, and when she'd go to bed, we would give her. We had this like little portable DVD player and uh, just pop the DVD in and let her watch it. And and of course, I would wake up in the middle of the night. She'd be she'd fall asleep and the dang DVD would go to the menu and it would just play over and over and over and over. I'm sure I, I imagine there's probably humor that was definitely influenced by what happened on Rocco's modern life, what they kind of got away with there, because you could see the same stuff every once in a while that kind of pops up in SpongeBob. Uh, not not explicitly adult or anything, but it's definitely double entendres or however right. they say that things of that nature. So creative. Yeah, I guess the creative director for Rocco's modern life was Stephen Hilleberg. Yeah, he passed away in 2018. Obviously, one of the big things that he's known for is creating SpongeBob SquarePants. But all right. So I already asked you if you watch the show. Let's go ahead and we'll talk about the comic. Here we go. That synopsis is coming up. But first, let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. Rocco's Modern Life number 7 from Marvel Comics hits the shelves October 18th, 1994. It is written by John... Lewandowski and uh, arts by various. And I'll, I'll kind of we got like three stories here, very small stories. Yeah, I'll lay out the I'll lay out the artist because I I got them in front of me here. Let's talk about the first ser- story in this this book. It's called Conned Again. I, I believe art. They did not give us <laughs> the titles. I mean, it has Darren Auk as Hayseed, Mike Lackey vacant. <laughs> I assume they're the artists and uh, probably the penciler and anchor. Maybe I, I don't know. So. Gary Fields is the breeder. Bob Sharon's an angry football. Tom DeFalco's the overseer. And Dave Sharp is the gardener. Okay, there we go. Rocco is setting up a merchant's booth at a local Comic-Con, but asked to try to make it through the day dealing with overbearing customers and keeping comics safe, especially his copy of Really Big Man Number 1, which apparently everyone is trying to get their hands on. Meanwhile, trying to get into the con is Rocco's friend, Philbert, who is mistaken to be Benito, the prepubescent mutant kung fu tortoise. And he's immediately rushed inside. By the end of the issue, Benito lands a date and is so excited he knocks Rocco's display stand over onto a thief who had been plaguing the con all day. That is the short of what we get that happens in here. Kind of what I expected. It was, you know, a lot of humor. Here's here's what I said I was going to do. Since these comics were kind of more humor bent, I would just kind of throw some things out there because there's not like not a whole lot of character development, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I will tell you right now that this comic made me so anxious with all, all with all the horrors that were happening around these comics. Like, do people were putting yeah. drinks on things and sneezing <laughs> all over stuff? And of course, you know, Rocco's going through the same thing. He's trying to keep this. It's is it really, really big man or just really big man? Really, really big man. Really, really big man. So he's trying to keep his, you know, that issue, that pristine number one issue, away from all these people. And uh, you just talk about anxiety. 
anxiety. That was one of the first things that kind of leaped out at me. I did want to ask you, have you ever, I mean, I know you worked at a comic shop, right? A bookstore, yeah. comic shop, right? Did you ever work a con? Um, I worked a sort of a con. You know, I, I live in Paducah, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Right across the river from us is Metropolis, Illinois, which is the Superman's hometown. Oh, I wow. guess back in the 60s or 70s, they kind of just christened themselves, you know, Superman's hometown because they, they it's been called Metropolis forever. But it's, I mean, it's like, I mean, super tiny, you know, town. Oh, really? They have a Superman museum there. They have a big giant Superman statue. And every summer they have a thing called the Superman Celebration, which is like Mm -hmm. a big kind of festival thing that they put together. And they have kind of like a Comic-Con thing. They have like, sometimes they'll have guests. Like I met George Perez there. I've met Kurt Busiek there. He's come before. Uh, They'll have industry professionals and from comics show up sometimes, but it's usually actors and stuff from the shows like Smallville actors. And back when they were still around (laughs) from the old Superman TV show and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, Okay. So yeah, our shop put a booth uh, up there. This is probably 10 or 12 years ago. And uh, I worked it for half a day. And uh, I mean, it was way tamer than this because it was more like a flea market than it was a comic-con okay okay i've always thought about like buying a table at our local con just to kind of get rid of some hey if i can get rid of some of these comics in these long boxes which i've been meaning to do (laughs) for four or five years now but it's always it always comes down to like i need to make my money back plus more in order for me to be in order for me to want to do it because sometimes these tables are they're not horribly expensive, especially if it's local. But I could imagine with like Wizard World or whatever, it's it's got to be insane. Other than gracing the cons with my presence, that's about <laughs> all. That's about all I've ever done. But uh, I would be probably as nervous as Rocco is seeing kids grab comics and 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 stuff right. like that. I, I took my son to. I think we went to Cleveland. We had a, there was a Wizard World up there one one year. All kids, all the kids with me. It was my wife and my mom, uh, and I was just like, I was so nervous and so worried that they were going to walk into someone's display and knock it over or, right. you know, just I'll look over and there's Colton laying on top of a box of comics or something <laughs> like, no, no. Um, so just trying to work in that environment has got to be pretty tough. I was going to say a local, a local guy here who uh, deals, uh, he has a lot of older comics and he sets up at cons sometimes. He doesn't have his own shop. He's got like a booth at a local, a local like antique store that has different booths people can rent out. And uh, he has comics there, but he he would set up at cons with some of his high dollar books. And I think last year, or the year before, I think he was at Wizard World Chicago and he had an amazing I'm, I'm not sure if it was Amazing Fantasy 15 or it may have been Amazing Spider-Man number one. I think it was Amazing 15, though. Mm. Uh, so big book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had it graded and he had it on his wall and somebody stole it when he oh wasn't. Oh, my gosh. Looking. He looked back and it was gone. You got to be careful with those things. There's Which no, he yeah. Insured. He got a lot of money for it, I guess, because it was, he had it insured. But I mean, that thing just continues to go up in value. Oh, yeah. The market is insane. Well, I mean, I guess what was it? We're in the midst of the pandemic right now. Hopefully, there, it seems like there was a light at the end of the tunnel, and now all of a sudden it's getting further away. I know. Like, <laughs> that, yeah, I'm getting nervous because there's a couple of conventions I'm planning on going to in the next couple months, and I'm getting worried that they're going to get squ- squashed. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, what was the last con you were at the last one i was at was man it's hard to say i didn't do i I didn't do any last year obviously Mm -hmm. although the week that didn't really hit the fan 
when they canceled the NBA games, and that's when you really knew, like, oh crap, this is yeah. for real. <laughs> when the yeah. when the sports league started canceling games, uh, the week either the week after that or two weeks after that. I had tickets to Horror Hound uh, in Cincinnati, a horror convention, which is like my favorite one to go to, really. And so it got canceled at the last minute. And I already had tickets, so my ticket for that one is good for the one that's coming up next month. And I'm just hoping that things don't get too crazy. But yeah, the last the last one I went to was probably, might have even been in 2018, because I don't know that I went to anything in 2019, but maybe maybe Scarefest in Lexington okay. in 2018 or 19, which is like a horror slash paranormal convention, which is pretty cool. But oh, it's yeah, an actual straight up comic convention. I don't know the last one I've been to. It's been probably three or four years. Yeah, I think we had a local one here. Uh, I know we had one where I didn't have the chance to go, and I think that was in 2019, maybe. We'll just say I'm, I, I, you know, I'm friends with the guy that the comic book local comic shop owner. So I've watched him uh, as he's evolved with comic cons from the very first one he ever did, which it wasn't like too long ago, but I can remember the first one he did. It was inside, it was inside a metal building down at the fairgrounds. It, we christened it the surface of the sun con because <laughs> it was the hottest day of the summer just so happens of course he schedules the con the convention at that point and i mean we watched a guy and it was funny i just saw pictures of this on facebook we watched a guy walk in there who dressed up like nightcrawler now granted this is the oh, first wow. con that we we did uh, uh that we've had i should say in in the area probably for a very very long time uh, so anyway, a guy walks in there and he's covered in blue makeup. There's two like cattle barn fans running on each end, but that'll maybe blow air about 10 feet out. And the rest of this building is just <laughs> sweltering. But yeah, that's that's one of the biggest con memories. But I've watched him evolve where he's, you know, the next that obviously he learned his lesson there. And we went to yeah. a hotel and and then the hotel was a little bit more cramped. Obviously, people couldn't get all their stuff in there. So he kind of graduated to the local college. College. I think that was the last one that I went to officially. They had one at our college here in town and it was beautiful. I mean, it was it was a beautiful day out. It was inside the gymnasium slash track that they had. It really did the job. So I'd say 2018 is probably the same uh, the same time that I last went to a con. And then I'll throw I'll just throw out one little memory that I have when I took I already talked about taking my kids up to the one in Cleveland. I mean, it's great to see the cosplay. Love seeing the cosplay. Yeah. The cosplay plays great uh but there was this guy dressed up like raf uh from uh the teenage mutant ninja turtles at the movie he's walking and it's like he's trying to get to the bathroom i'll never forget this <laughs> i'll never forget this but like everybody's stopping him because they want to get pictures and he's like man i gotta be you can just tell he had to go to the restroom but <laughs> he was so hot in that costume like when he started walking like water what i thought was water i'm sure was sweat was pulling oh. inside that costume and then he would take a step and you'd just watch it kind of pour out Oh. And I was like, man, that cannot be comfortable. Yeah, but, sucks to be him. <laughs> but uh, anyway, found some great comics. Uh, <laughs> those those uh, $5 uh, hardback books, uh, graphic novels, it seems like there's always some uh -huh. one or two places that have those. And I'd clean up on a couple of those. All right. So there you go. There's there's our discussion about it might have been overlong about Cond again. <laughs> uh, I know we got three stories, but I mean, this next story, Bev's Beauty Tips. Now, before I go to that one, did you have anything else you want to talk? about with Cond again anything in there uh not not particularly it's it was a fun it was a fun one it was probably the best of the three uh stories i thought maybe because it was so comic book heavy you know being yeah. in a con and stuff 
my my uh, I'll just go ahead and give my panel of the issue was the two page spread that showed like the entire con floor was in that story as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Bev's beauty tips, and I've got a one sentence synopsis. Yeah, that's a nice little tongue twister. A one sentence synopsis here for this one, and it's uh, Bev Bighead, of which is she a frog? Is she a toad? Is she yeah, they're toad. Yeah, the bigheads okay. are toads. <laughs> okay, so Bev Bighead gives us some really really gross beauty tips. Yep. Um, this was written by John Louis, Darren Ock with the pencils, Matt Malley with the ink. Bob Sharon with the colors. So that's about it. Uh, I think it was like maybe two pages or something where she's just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's it's beauty tips and it's completely gross. Uh, I think by the end of it, she's like ate a bunch of flies or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is a, a good example of like the, the you know, Rocco kind of the, the cartoon. It had a lot of gross stuff and a lot of fart noises, a lot of yeah. like fungus, you know, just gross stuff. Kind of like Ren and Stimpy, but not nearly as grotesque as, as that, in my opinion. Uh, so this kind of gives you a look at that that kind of humor that they, they have in the show sometimes, and they kind of got that in here. The one thing that really both of these books, Morocco and Duckman, when you don't have the voice casts, which are great on both shows, uh, it really changes the dynamic uh, and makes it, it, it leaves quite a bit to be desired uh, okay. because of that. I could see that. I mean, I know the, that I've if Mrs. Bighead. Do you know who Harvey? You know who Harvey Firestein is? Mm, that sounds familiar. He uh, his most famous role was probably in Mrs. Doubtfire. He was Robin Williams' brother, the gay hairdresser. Oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly. He's got oh, the role of is that this voice? voice? No, but it, it's somebody oh, okay. doing an impression of Harvey Firestein. Is basically okay. what Bev Bighead's voice is like. I've got to call my mother. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, from, uh, yeah. Independence Day. Independence Day. Right. Oh, I've got to call my mother. Okay. All right. Well, next story. This is titled "I'll Never Go." This is the last story of this issue. I'll never go camping again. John Louie with the script, Darren Ock with the pencils, Gary Fields with the inks, and Bob Sharon with the colors. All right, so this is an interesting story. As Rocco and Heifer are watching TV, the power goes out. So Rocco decides to tell a scary story about when he went camping and was almost killed by a tree that was supernaturally alive. Rocco escaped, but had a splinter of the supernatural wood in his skin. Uh, when one, In the story that he's telling to Heifer here, uh, when one of his campmates went and cut down the tree for kindling, the smoke seemed to be alive, scaring Rocco, Rocco and his friends away. Now, when the lights come back on, Rocco tells Heifer that the story was true. And to prove it, he brings out a jar that has the splinter in it. And when he sets it down on the coffee table, it shakes, the splinter shakes, and all of a sudden the <laughs> coffee table comes alive and chases the two out of the house. So that's the silly story of I'll never <laughs> go camping again. So uh, what'd you think about this one? Uh, not bad. You know, I, I always enjoy a, it, it's sort of a Halloween tale, sort of. Uh, I don't yeah. know if this came out in October, but that's kind of the the mood that it sets. And it really reminded me of the, I mean, the tree is basically the tree from Wizard of Oz, <laughs> mm-hmm. except that it's dead. It, it doesn't have any apples growing on it, but, uh, but yeah, this one was not as good as the, as the initial story, but it was cool to see Heifer in one of these stories because he's kind of the, he's kind of the funniest character on the show really is oh, the, yeah. the friend Heifer. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was, uh, it was solid. Uh, and it was kind of a, a nice 
spooky uh, Rocco tale. Yeah, this this hit shelves October 18th, so that, that's right around um, right around Halloween. Well, okay, I only have one question for you in regards to this this small story. Did you ever do any camping in your life? Just a bit, and mostly it was when I got a little older, around the time I was my late teens. Uh, my brothers uh, and some of their friends kind of got into camping a little bit. There was a, there's a place a few hours drive from from our town. It's called Lust Creek Canyon, and it's okay. It's about a mile hike into the uh, into the forest, and there's a campground area that people use. And there's like a, a river that goes through this canyon. People like swim in the creek there. Uh, and that and we did that a handful of times when I was I would say between the ages of like 18 and 22. Okay, uh, but overall, not a big, not a big camper, not a big outdoorsman. <laughs> didn't didn't sit around telling scary stories or anything like that. <laughs> no, not really. Okay, we, well, we basically made hot dogs and 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 just reminisced about old times and stuff like okay. that. That's all right. One of the things that my dad, you know, my parents separated when uh, they got divorced when I was two. So every other weekend, I would go. I'd go stay at my dad's, but in the summer, sometimes I would go and stay like a week with my dad and his, his wife, and they had a kid. Well, end up having two kids. So one of the things my dad loved to do was go camping. When he pa- when he passed away, he was actually camping. <laughs> so he's doing something he loved to do. One of the things that, as a young kid, I'd go there. Uh, go, we'd go camping. We always had a spot we'd hit. Dad would let us do some of the stupidest stuff. And one of the stupidest things we did was we would. We would go for walks, but before we left the campsite, we would throw food out out in the woods to mm. see if any any animals would come up <laughs> and get <laughs> some of it. So, I mean, it's not like this place was in the middle of nowhere and there were lots of bears or anything, but Dad, you know, Dad didn't care. So we'd throw marshmallows and all sorts of stuff out. We went for a walk one night uh, after doing this, and we came back, and, of course, Dad started a fire. We all sat around the fire, and uh, my stepmom falls asleep. So she's laying uh, asleep in one of the uh, folding chairs or whatever. So she's asleep, and Dad and, and me and my stepsister are all talking, and then we see something come out of the woods. Woods. And sure enough, it we had thrown marshmallows, graham crackers, all sorts of stuff out there <laughs> in the woods, and it was a skunk. Ah. Uh, so now mind could you be worse. At, could be at better. This, <laughs> <laughs> At this point, this thing is like, uh, it's probably five feet from our campsite. So dad is immediately like, don't move. Nobody move. And I'm looking over. I'm like, what's going on? And I see the skunk. It's kind of milling around. Dad obviously doesn't want us to get sprayed. Skunk walks over through us by the fire oh. and goes right up to my stepmom's foot and starts sniffing it. <laughs> and she's dead asleep when we're like, oh my gosh, if she wakes up right now, she is going to scream bloody murder or we're all going to leave this place smelling like skunk. It's going to be horrible. And thank goodness she slept through everything. Oh, and I wish I would have, you know, this is back in the days. Obviously, nobody has sure. cell phones and cameras. I would have been filming this if that was the case. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was probably one of the craziest stories. That I think we learned our lesson after that. We never did that again. But uh, never had any trees come alive, try to get me or anything like that. I think the worst thing that ever happened to me camping, uh, well, it didn't actually happen to me. It happened to my cousin. We were all, we all went camping again. And of course, we all brought our bikes. And my cousin was out drive riding his bike in the middle of the night. I say middle of the night. It's like nine o'clock. It's dark. Runs smack dab into a picnic table. Doesn't even realize it's there as he's on his bike and messes himself up bad. Didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, but he was bleeding. Camping stories. There you go. Yeah, one of those one of those trips we took in that river that that we would swim in. One of our buddies. 
he he was starting to drown and we didn't realize it. He, we thought oh, he was kind of joking with us at first, and then we were like, he's not kidding because he he's he was going down and then coming back up yelling. Ooh. And then uh, so my buddy who was young, a couple years younger than me, he was probably 15 at the time. He kind of swam out. He was closer to him. This guy's a real was a real stout guy, and he was panicking, so he was like pushing my buddy under under the water. Oh man! So it was like a situation where they both both might drown. Uh, but but another friend of ours ran out, swam out, and and let my buddy John kind of go back to the shore to to get his to catch his breath, and he got got the the the, the first guy back onto the shore. But he I mean he nearly drowned, but he, man, you know, he got him out of there in time. But it was it was. Uh, that's scary. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. very scary. Wow. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll get into Duckman, Duckman number five. Okay. Now you already told me you, you kind of tried to watch this and it wasn't something that I didn't care for it when it when it initially was released. I was probably fifteen or sixteen. I, I can't remember what year it premiered, but uh didn't really like it. I actually watched an episode of it today to kind of refresh myself on it. And it was better than I remembered. It wasn't I watched the pilot uh on, on YouTube today and uh not a bad show, not one that I think I would, you know, continue to to, to, to watch. I would rather watch Futurama for the fifteenth time than probably <laughs> go through Duckman. But uh, but not a bad yeah. show and Jason Alexander is the as the uh, as the titular Duckman was is, is great uh, in that in that role, but yeah. So what is Duckman? Uh, Duckman, Private Dick slash Family Man, commonly known as Duckman, is an American adult animated sitcom that aired on the USA Network from March fifth of ninety four through September sixth of nineteen ninety seven. It was created and developed by Everett Peck and is based on characters he created in his 1991 shot comic book published by Dark Horse Comics. So that's straight from the wiki right there. I did throw in, I did throw this in there. Okay, apparently Duckman, I've been calling him Duckman this whole time. Uh, that's his last name. His actual <laughs> name, his actual name is Eric Tiberius. Interesting middle name there. I guess, uh, feel like there's a, uh, a nod. Connection. Yeah, nod to uh, <laughs> James T. Kirk. Uh, Eric Tiberius Duckman is the actual full name of our main character here. So this issue, issue number five of Duckman, hits uh, shelves in... Nope, I don't even have that. That wasn't even... Mike's Amazing World of Comics said no. Um, they they <laughs> well, the did not have... The uh, fine print is May 95, so it was probably a month or two before that. Uh, published by Topps Comics and written by Everett Peck. Art, art. Now they have art listed as Everett Peck, but I'm looking. I, I'm looking at this differently here. The the inside cover has this is titled The Triple X Files, written by Stefan Petruca. Art by Cra- Art by Craig Yo, lettered by Richard Starkings. Oh, colors, colors. I'm sorry. Electric Crown. Corin Donahue, Albert Duchesne, Duchesne, Cynthia Morris, Mario Pejoto, and Mark Siri. If I'm reading the fine print right, they're all involved with Electric Crayon. Okay, so here we go. It's when an elderly woman believes a Girl Scout spontaneously combusts on her front porch, she calls <laughs> Robert Sack. Uh, Robert Stack, Robert Sack of Unresolved Mysteries to win their weekly cash prize for giving them content. This inspires Eric Duckman to go on a search for some alien porn that he remembers watching as a young duckling in order to cash in. Joined by his skeptic pig friend, Cornfed, his quest to find the lost footage is aided by the mysterious Deep Throat, which I think happens to be his son's or something like that. It's like a two-headed duck. I, I have no idea. Right. Um, 
um, who points him in different avenues, taking him on a government conspiracy-laden journey that seems to always be a dead end. But when the found footage mysteriously shows up on his doorstep, Duckman goes to great lengths to avoid being followed in order to get what he believes is the film he remembers from his youth to sack and unresolved mysteries. However, at the end of the issue, we find that the alien porn was actually staged by Robert Sack and some monkeys. This footage was given to Duckman to make him believe it was the real deal so that they could have a great story to keep their show on the air. (laughs) And that is Duckman number five, the final issue of Duckman uh, in a a nutshell. So now I didn't hit everything in here. Uh, There are some moments I definitely feel are commentary. Uh, This is absolutely a little bit more adult than Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We're not going to get the triple X Files in a, in a Rocco's Modern Life comic. Uh, there's definitely some moments of commentary in here uh, amongst all the humor, especially with that. There was a point where, like, I think Eric is addressing a mom who is upset about unresolved mysteries and Robert Sack, like, influencing her kid to do something that he should have never done or he would have never done if he would have never seen that program. <laughs> so there's some commentary there. Uh, I did like the part where I mean, it's at the beginning where Duckman's he's he's so like and this is something that you see all over the place today. So he's (laughs) he's so like obsessed with conspiracies that it's he's looking for just about everything that he can. I think that's where he finds like this potato chip. And he's like, doesn't that have a, what was the <laughs> Imelda Marcos on it? Uh, the, the image of Imelda, uh, which I have no idea who that is. Uh, I'm sure that is. Yeah, a, me neither. Uh, well, you know what? The power of the internet, Imelda Marcos of all the people, Imelda Marcos is a Filipino politician <laughs> who is still alive today. She's 92 years old, but wow. The wiki's huge. Yeah, 18 parts to her wiki. So anyway, yeah. So he's he's obsessed with conspiracies and just about finding everything he can. Well, I think Cornfed calls them anomalies, uh, but just about everything he can to, to try and get something to Robert Sack so he can get this cash prize. But um, anyway, and it looks um, like he's got plenty of proof on his disposable camera, but he's unhappy with the way they turned out. I don't know if. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't even know if he recognizes what he has there because. Right. He's like so I can't remember what he says. Like he he gets upset about the fact that he, yeah, I mean, right. he just says they didn't the picture didn't turn out good. I, but like, you see there's a picture of a of a Sasquatch, aliens, <laughs> he catches the Loch Ness monster with a fishing pole. <laughs> but then he just throws the camera away and says that they uh that they don't or he throws the slides away because the slideshow of their vacation. Wow. Uh, he says they didn't turn out good. I'll tell you, I picked my favorite panel of this book. I didn't do it for Rocco's Modern Life, but I definitely have my favorite panel in this one. When he gets led to the IRS and he walks into the IRS, like he's still looking for this footage, mm. uh, but he walks into the IRS and, of course, like a panel later, I think, he's getting walked out by security guards, but he's <laughs> ranting and raving the fact that they don't have, they don't use paper anymore, and instead it's 1040 EZ is people. It's people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice little uh, uh, nice little nod to what is that Soylent Green? Right, right. Yeah, there is a little bit of a thing that kind of tied in with the actual episode, and I don't know if you read this on the wiki or not. I should say there is there there's a little bit of a tie-in between this issue and what actually happens on the final episode of the series. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Okay, so let me break it down for you. Uh, and uh, some of this I'm reading straight from the wiki. The last episode of the TV series. Duckman's wife, who has been apparently dead 
this whole series because they I think one of the, his descriptors is that he's a a widowed detective or something like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. Doug Man's wife appears at the end of the final episode of the uh, of the series. Oh, really? And yeah. So it's Beatrice, I think is her name. And when she shows up, she's like, Corn Fed always knew that I, I've been alive. And so the pig like looks around and says, I can explain. And the show ends to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Perfect. So, so they asked, they asked the creator, Michael Markowitz, Duckman writer, Michael Markowitz. Yeah. And he says, we never even formally planned a part two and I'll never tell what I personally had in mind. <laughs> All right. So uh, he's like, I want to leave it to my heirs for the inevitable day that Duckman is revived for future generations. So he's probably <laughs> he's one of those people who are like, there it is. You guys can deal with it. Now, here's the thing. Here's what ties this in with that. OK, August 13th, 2015. This is straight from the wiki. Markowitz posts on his Twitter page in response to a question from a fan about the cliffhanger. So they're like, well, you know, Beatrice is back. What's going on? What do we do? And what he says is he says was then and now an X-Files fan. It definitely involved a government cover-up with aliens. So I'm the only, I mean, it's a loose tie. I'm telling you just because this is, this is, this last issue is X-Files somewhat related. I I know I spoiled the very end of Duckman that I know it was going to take you probably about 20, 10 hours to get to through your YouTube journey. But (laughs) (laughs) there you go. Yeah, that's how, that's how it ends. And that's how I'm tying that issue or this issue and that episode together. But uh, anyway, man, I mean, Duckman was fun. It was obviously a lot of tongue in cheek humor. A lot more adult. I like than what them we were... bringing in. Is it Robert Sack or Sack? Robert Sack. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was so the host Robert of, Sack. He was the host of Unsolved. Sort of. Yeah. He, well, I loved Unsolved Mysteries, so it was cool okay. to see a little. It's called Unresolved Mysteries in the in the comic, but it was cool to see a little un, Unsolved Mysteries nod there. Doesn't turn out great for him. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think by the end of the uh, by the end of the issue, he's abducted by aliens uh, themselves. They actually show up and abduct Robert Sack yeah, and take him after off after being exposed as a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> not good for him yeah like i said it was fun i did i didn't have a whole lot of stuff to say here i mean it was neat to see the commentary which i'm sure the show probably did a good bit of mm-hmm. this feels like one of those edgy cartoons clearly was but um yeah when, when we finally see the alien sex tape that he was so obsessed with it's I mean, a lot of weird. I mean, you can only you can't even hardly make out the shapes of the aliens, but there's a lot of black bars covering what you assume would be the organ and the sex organs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it looked like five amoebas in front of a microscope to me. Yeah. And they were just like, that's all it was. That's kind of all I had here for Duckman. I, I think of the two, if I'm comparing the two, I liked Rocco's Modern Life better if mm-hmm. I'm comparing the issues. So if I have to pick a favorite, I would probably, I'd rather read Rocco's Modern Life just because I, I appreciate adult humor, but mm-hmm. I would probably appreciate Rocco's Modern Life, that type of humor, a little bit more adolescent humor than I would this. Sure. I, I kind of like this comic, but I like that episode of Duckman that I watched earlier today. I should like it more though because i'm a big like noir film noir you know detective uh hardball detective story type i'm a big fan of that uh type of that of that genre and that's kind of duckman is kind of similar to that you, especially you see his partner is basically dressed like uh humphrey bogart <laughs> and yeah he's falcon or or the big sleep or whatever so so i should probably like it even more but maybe that tells me that it's not as good as as uh, I initially thought that it was, <laughs> but but yeah, not a not a bad comic, but I definitely prefer Rock. 
Rocco all day, every day. Topps Comics is probably one of the publishers that I had the hardest time. I don't want to say the taking only thing seriously. I could think of that they did was this, which I didn't even realize till this week. And <laughs> um, X Files too, stuff. didn't they? They did some Kirby stuff. Oh, 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 oh! I think I know they, what you're talking about. Like in the early '90s, early to mid '90s. A lot of like licensed properties. I thought. Yeah, like, I, I think they did a Jurassic Park comic. Yeah, I'm looking through some of the images here. I know they, I'm pretty sure they had the X-Files, Zorro. Uh, Hmm. There was a Victory comic, which I don't know what that's about. Look, oh, Mars Attacks. Is it Captain Victory? Is it Captain Victory? Let's see. I think that's one of the Kirby characters, maybe. Kirby Busick. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Is this the end of the Kirby verse? Jason versus Leatherface. Oh, that looks like, yeah. Dude, that can't, I was immediately, that cover is Simon (laughs) Feasley. You know, it, it's it's kind of interesting that we're doing this, the recording this week, because The Ringer, you familiar with the website The Ringer? I've heard of it. They do a lot of podcasts, and it's like a sports and entertainment website. Bill Simmons started it um, okay. after he left ESPN, but they just did a week of Nick stuff, Nickelodeon stuff. Uh, and they had a poll going all week for like, I think they picked 64 Nick characters, and they did like a poll every day for each yeah. round. Uh, Rocco made it to the Elite Eight before he was put out by, I think, Tommy from Rugrats. SpongeBob uh, one, of course. I was going to say, I, I was going to throw my, <laughs> I was going to throw my winner out there and see if I was right. Uh, but yeah, as, as the first round matchups were popping up. I'm a big. I don't know if you ever watched the Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh yeah, yeah. I re- well, I didn't watch it. I I knew about it. You. I assume you've watched the Orange Years, haven't you? Yeah, I loved that. Uh, that was great. That, that documentary. So that's yeah. probably one of the things that was obvious to me. Was like there's eras for Nickelodeon that all of a sudden you just stop watching and you don't yeah, know much sure. of what happened after that. So I remember Pete and Pete, uh, and they talked about that in the documentary, but I've never really watched any of it. But anyway, so what did did Pete and Pete stick around? Well, no, not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wasn't a big fan of that show when I was a kid, but as I've gotten older, I've watched a lot of episodes on YouTube and stuff and come to appreciate how weird it is. Uh, and I, I, I like it a lot more now than I did when I was a kid. And they had three Pete and Pete characters in the poll and they all lost in the first round. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it became apparent pretty quickly that like all of the stuff from like the 2000s was probably going to be the yeah. favorites in every in every round. Mark Summers stuck around, the host of Double Dare, okay. a little longer than than that, but mostly it was it was stuff from like SpongeBob and Danny Phantom stuff I'm not familiar with really, but it was disheartening to my 40 year old, <laughs> 41 year old self that my favorite stuff was all out after the first round mostly, except for Rocco. That's he stuck sad. around for a while. Yeah, that's sad. Did did was there any? Did they go with anything from You Can't Do That on Television? No, there was nothing, and that was a show that I liked too. But that they didn't have any characters from that. They only had one character from Are You Afraid of the Dark. I would have put a Barth. I think a Barth. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, he totally. I mean, honestly, anybody under forty is probably they not would have had no clue. They would have had none. Yeah, and that would have right. been first round out. But I would have liked to have seen it just for my sake. At least throw him in there. At least yeah. put him in the poll. Oh man. Well. All right. Well, I mean, this has been a good discussion. It's been fun. This is, uh, sure. I think, you know, like I said, two for one here, ladies and gentlemen. You got uh, a two for one for with uh, Rocco's Modern Life and Duck Man, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to, to uh, read and, and share some fun stories with you. So, I guess uh, Chris Armstrong. I mean, feel free to plug your stuff, man. 
this would be a good time to plug a sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Unspoken Issues, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BrodyMan34. And occasionally you'll catch me on Jesse's other podcast, Source Material. Make sure to go check out the Unspoken Issues Facebook page. We are throwing polls up there. Now, there's going to be some, there's going to be uh, all sorts of different programs coming out under the Unspoken Issues, Unspoken slash Unspoken Decade banner. Obviously, what we just did here, I know that by the time this airs, I think we're going to have our foray. It's going to be me. Um, Derry Waite and Dean Compton jumping into all 12 issues, two separate episodes, six issues apiece of Transformers Generation 2. That should be hitting the air. And I believe at some point we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking some Venom slash Carnage whenever this airs. I think you can probably be looking forward to that here pretty soon. Venom and Carnage, of course. Check out the Rattlech in Broadcasting Network. Probably check out that Facebook page and see what is all upcoming on the schedule. Of course, feel free to uh, drop us a line. You can, you're more than welcome to do so for myself. I'm at Stiznarki on Twitter. And I think, I think that's going to bring it to a close. So for Chris Armstrong, I am Jesse Starcher. We'll be talking to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Uh, 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 uh.